Grip it and rip it, my dude. <laughs> Yo, for real though, I so my uh, my family really wanted to do Lent this year and celebrate it. Oh, so yeah. I decided to give up sodas. Uh, I'm about to die. <laughs> like my my head has hurt all day, and I'm like, I just want to god Dr Pepper in my mouth right now. I'd eat the whole <laughs> can to get rid of this headache. <laughs> I have not been drinking soda for like the past two years and my sister bought a 48 pack of Dr. Peppers and they're in the fridge and I keep drinking them because I can't stop myself. (laughs) (laughs) I I really do believe I'm, I like, this is like with what withdrawal feels like. Absolutely agree. Yeah. I've, I've switched to sparkling water, like LaCroix and stuff. And the yuppie of it is truly just like I feel like I open a LaCroix and I turn into like I don't know uh, Becky The hint and like, overtone of lemon in the mm. sparkling TV static Yeah <laughs> Yeah Like I get used to it now like if I drink a soda like I still do drink sodas but if I drink a soda like I sometimes have trouble getting through it because it's just so sweet It's too I'm much not used to it. Yeah Yeah so so on the the subject of sparkling nasty water uh my brother-in-law works at coke uh he's like a he's like a upper upper management person at coke um i mean not upper management whatever um but he was very excited because this was years ago coke had just had just acquired topo chico um and he was so excited and we were going to this thing uh, and he knew there was going to be a booth there with like Coke being like, hey, try our new product, Topo Chico. And he was like talking it up. And he was like, we're going to go to this booth. I want everybody to get a sample of it. And then like we all got a sample of it. And I, I just threw it into my mouth. It hit the back of my throat. And I was like, this is so bad. Uh, but I couldn't say anything because it was like this lava water in my mouth that was like destroying my teeth from the outside in. And I like walked a short distance away from the booth and I went, (laughs) let it dribble down my chin. And Carrie came over and she said, what do you think about it? I was like, I think it's the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth. This is so bad. And that was the only time I drank Topo Chico. (laughs) Oh man. A glowing review. I ha- it's so nasty. It is <sighs> bad water. <laughs> it's bad water. Don't it's drink bad it. Water. Bad water. Hello, friends. My name is Marlo Bogus, and you're listening to the Tales to Inspire podcast.
budding romance. Operation American Defense has been disbanded, but not all of the former teammates have gone their separate ways. Crystal Gazer and Dr. Fusion have been exploring a relationship for over a year, but can the two costume superheroes find time for romance amid their busy social and heroic lives? So as we open up this issue of Tales to Inspire, we are inside of a European village square. It is nighttime. The square is empty. Buildings in the background are crumbling and dilapidated from extending warfare. Crystal Gazer rushes into the square. <clears throat> I lost the Nazi panzer mechs. In the process, I seem to have also lost my team. Now I'm here, in the middle of Nazi territory, just a Hollywood starlet with the powers of psychopathy and telekinetics. Still, I must press on. I must find Adolf Hitler and end this war for all the boys over here and for the best country in the world, America. An explosion. Torchbearer rushes into the city square. Max, there you are! Torchy, Stars and Stripes, where have you been? I was about to ask you the same question. I grabbed two of those Nazi panzer mechs and flew them into the sun. When I came back, I didn't... I found the others, but I didn't find you. I thought I'd lost you. Maybe I am lost, Torchy. Not lost in this village, but lost in my soul. When I volunteered myself to lead Operation American Defense, I thought I would be a real ace at it. But after arriving here and seeing all these boys fighting and killing each other, I'm afraid I'm no ace. I'm just a decked up chicken. Nonsense! When we fought those vampires in Romania, it was you who tricked that dead chrome dome to drink the goblet filled with garlic juice. Then again, when Nazi saboteurs were poisoning troops in Italy, you used your psychopathy to ferret them out. You've always stepped up and saved the day, Mags. You ain't no chicken. You're a real cookie. And that's why I love you! What did you say, Torchy? You heard me, doll. Quit pretending you didn't know already. I've felt you poking around in my brain ever since we left Egypt. Uh, I suppose I haven't been real shy about finding out how you really feel about me, have I? Just shy about doing anything about it. Shy? Then why don't you let me take the lead on this one, Max? And he goes to dip her. <laughs> As, like, as soon as the dip happens, does this, like, weird flip out of his grasp and lands flat-ass on the ground and screams, CUT! <laughs> now what in the hell is this? And suddenly we are not in this scene anymore. We are in a Hollywood sound set. And we see boom mics and cameras position. We see uh, stage hands in every which direction. And we see the director throw up his hands and fall back in his uh, director seat. Oh, gosh, what? 
Margaret, what are you doing? We've shot this scene twice already. What, what is the problem now? I, I don't know how many times I have to tell you. I know Torch is dreamy, and I understand that, but this ain't how it went down. Listen, we are giving people a, 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 an imaginary fantasy place. Who the hell cares if it happened like this? This is how we're going to present it for money. I care. You're going to bring this dime store Hitler in here. You're going to have him come in here and act all super villainy. This ain't how it went down. And in the background, we see uh, stepping out from like the cutout cardboard of like one of the buildings in the background. We see uh, a actor who's been dressed up as Adolf Hitler in like this huge cardboard mecha suit. And we see these people like behind the knee joints, like operating his legs to walk him forward. And he says, come on, I've been working on my German accent. I thought we talked about the mechs. Come on. Fine, fine. Back to the drawing board, then. Back to the drawing board. Crystal Gazer, the hero of America, and the bane of Hollywood. Uh, And he, like, gets out of his director chair and, like, walks off with the script in hand. I'm done. I'm done for today. I'm the bane of Hollywood, and I'm going home so I can do my bane of Hollywood things. And she, like... Like, does her hands up like this and starts, like, walking for her dressing room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you you walk off stage, and you walk into your dressing room. Uh, and as you walk in, you see uh, Julian, your agent. And with him, you see uh, a man you have come to recognize as Fred, uh, Julian's uh, lover. Um, and you walk in, and you see both of them, and, like, they quickly scramble apart uh their eyes wide but then they see it's you and they both relax and julian says well mags how did recording go today terrible they've hacked it up i told them what should be in the script i even helped them storyboard it but do they listen to me no i'm just a useless woman who happened to kill ubermitch don't worry don't worry i'll i'll talk to frank we'll we'll get something sorted out don't worry, honey. This movie's gonna be a blockbuster like nobody's ever seen before. It's gonna set records, baby, and we're gonna ride it all the way to the bank. We are, aren't we? Well, why are y'all here? Well, ah, uh, straight to the point then. Um, well, Mags, why don't you take a seat? Uh, Fred and I want to talk to you about something. Uh, and then we see we turn the page, and there's a new panel, and it says a few minutes later in the little yellow box. So you you want me to marry Fred? It's it's just a formality, really. Just just something to make the film execs uh, comfortable. What about me? What uh? What do you mean? Well. Do you think it makes me comfortable? Well, honey, it's 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 just a publicity stunt. It's we put it in the papers. You don't even have to stay in the same house together. You don't even have to see him. As long as we get the pictures 
and we put it in the newspapers, people will know that Fred is a heterosexual man happily married to the most famous woman in America. Well, I mean, to be honest, kind of like not having a man around all the time. But, I don't know. I'm kind of seeing somebody. Uh, Fred, like, kind of slumps into shot. Oh? Who are you seeing, Margaret? Well, I... I don't really know if that's anybody's business. Uh, and I've been kind of putting off telling you, Julian. Sorry, I just didn't want to deal with it. It's kind of awkward. Anyway, I, uh... Well, I don't know if we're actually seeing each other. It's kind of weird. Honey, your whole life has been weird ever since you went overseas and made up your mind to kill Adolf Hitler. It's just something you're going to have to get used to. Now, and he like takes your hand in both of his and like just squeezes ever so gently. Mags, you know I would never ask you to do something that would put you in harm's way. But you would be doing Fred and I a real favor. I hope someday somebody loves me uh, like you love him. Enough to, I don't know, ask a straight woman to marry a gay man. (laughs) I'll think about it, okay? And Fred puts a hand on your shoulder and says, and that's really all we can ask you to do. Thank you, Margaret. Marlo, um, do you think that interaction with Julian went well? Or do you think you would step out, step up your bond clock with Julian? I think she's at odds. And okay. I think that Ju- she, Julian said that he was doing the right thing for her. And she's telling herself that that's the right thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she really believes that's the right thing. Okay. Or she'd have said yes then. Yeah. So I think maybe we are stepping up that bond clock. Okay. So go ahead and step it up. I think you have uh, three out of eight wedges uh, filled in now. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feels like it should be way higher. <laughs> I Yeah, it really does, actually. But okay, okay, so uh, we turn the page from that interaction with Julian and Fred. Uh, where's Crystal Gazer? What's going on? So um, I think they're going to go back to the first place that they had dinner ever which i'm imagining is not a really nice place it's maybe like a little hole in the wall like italian joint or something um but it's like authentic like Mm -hmm. you know those hole in the walls that are like so good yeah yeah um so she is uh she's got the same table she reserved the exact same table they sat at she is like sitting there with a like bucket of like champagne on ice uh a candle in front of her like the nice white tablecloth like they don't usually put out the white tablecloths but she like talked to the owner and they're like anything for you miss meadows right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so she has it all set up she has a little gift on the table in front of her that she's gonna give him and she's just like she's like if he's not gonna treat me the way that men usually treat me i'm gonna treat him the way men usually treat me and I know that I love gifts and I love all this stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we see a shot, or not a shot, we see a panel of Crystal Gazer, this bucket, 
candles, fine, fine cloth, the present. And I think in the next panel, how much, how much time do you think would have passed before Crystal Gazer started like slump in her seat and show frustration? Um, I think she knows Doc and I think she knows that like, so she knows that he's a scientific type and that he gets in his experiments and sometimes he's late and that's happened before. So I think it takes her about 30 minutes after for her to start kind of giving that worried look and like wringing the napkin in her hands. Okay. So yeah, we see a little yellow box that says 30 minutes later. And we see, you know, wringing that napkin, worried, you know, frustrated that he's not here yet. Uh, and then I think in the next panel, we are not in this restaurant anymore, but we are where Dr. Fusion is. Dr. Fusion, where are you? Dr. Fusion is in his lab. Okay. Um, he's got one of those tubes of that particle that we found um yes and is like working with it he's developed he's got a kind of more put together version of the device he built in germany um or was it in britain i can't remember where we were uh you yes you you had a flat you were sharing a flat you were flatmates with torchbearer and omission for a little while yes and you had turned your small kitchen into a laboratory got you so yes, uh, I have a more put together, better technologically advanced version of the same setup, um, and it is like there are readings going off the charts and just all kinds of stuff happening. Um, and you see the camera, or the the clock in the corner saying the same time that the time uh, the thirty minutes passed when he was supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like the idea that like. We see Margaret Meadows, and then we see a panel of the clock, and then we see another panel of a yeah. different clock, same time, yes. and that clock is in Dr. Yes. Fusion's office. I like that. But he's just kind of working on it, and then he kind of sets it aside. The The readings kind of go down to stable, and he just kind of wrings his hands together. Yes, this is this is good. And then he looks up at the clock. Shiza. And he... And the panel changes to... I think there's another clock, and it's 30 minutes after that. (laughs) And it's him opening the door to the restaurant. Okay, okay. So, is this restaurant... So, what's the location right now? Are y'all in Hollywood? Did y'all eat at a restaurant in Oregon? Like, where... Where are y'all meeting up? Or, or does Dr. Fusion, like, does Dr. Fusion have a laboratory in Hollywood that he works at sometimes? I'm like, what's going on here? I almost feel like she would travel farther than he would for the relationship. Ooh. I was about to say that. I yeah. feel like, because he wouldn't want to get that far from his lab on most occasions, so. Mm. She's in Oregon. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. <laughs> Damn, okay. Drove all the way to Oregon. Took a train all the way to Oregon for this. Uh, okay, so 30 minutes later, uh, Occam is Dr. Fusion running into the restaurant, or what? what's the next panel? He's He hasn't even changed clothes. He just has a slightly nicer jacket on. 
<laughs> and he just walks in and, and is looking around for for her at the table. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's at the table, but that whole bottle is gone, and she's got a second oh, bottle on the table. Yes. Excellent. And, uh, her eyes are really red, so but like I imagine she saw him walk in the door before he saw her, so she has like wiped her eyes and like goes to stand up and like she's got a glass in her hand. Like she's like, Oh, you're finally here. Great. So glad to see ya. Uh, yes, I am sorry for my lateness. My experiment went longer than I expected. I want you to understand something. I am the it woman right now. Do you know that? No, of course you don't. Why do I even ask that stupid question? I could have any man I wanted right now, Leslie. I could be anywhere. I could be in any nightclub. I could be in any flat. Right? I could go anywhere I wanted to and do anything. Instead, I'm a bottle and a half down. In the back of a... She looks around. Shitty little Italian restaurant. Waiting for some genius to finish his experiments to pay attention to me. And she says that loud enough that anyone in the okay. in the restaurant, I think, hears it. Does does a little bit of your psychic powers flare up and knock some Ooh. things back or not? No. Oh yeah, I think it 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 like flashes out and like, a picture on the wall falls and you, like and like glasses behind the bar like tinkle. One of them breaks in the back because it hits the like brick wall. I think one of the glasses on the table starts to tip off the table and Dr. Fusion kind of grabs it and places it gent- gently back on the table. I I do not understand where you're going with this. Of course you don't. You're an hour late, sweetie. I, my experiment went long, I'm sorry. I don't think you are sorry. Uh, so <laughs> I think I think some bonds might oh, be yeah. getting burned right uh-huh. now. Yep. Uh, Doctor Fusion, does that hurt? Do you need some ice for that? <laughs> it hurts. It, it, like he is feeling things that he's not sure what they mean exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh, so do you want to step up your bond clock? Yeah, I will definitely burn a bond on that. I think if he's burning a bond on that, I gotta burn a bond on an hour late for a date. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay sure. with it. Sure, burn those. Well, bonds. if you're burning a bond, Occam, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna burn it. I'm gonna burn it twice as fast. That's my first uh, burnt bond with you too, uh, and I believe also actually. Because of my drive book, would that bump my bond clock with science up? Oh, it sure would. Um, so that oh bumps gosh, up to two, right? Yeah. So what? Read, read for us. What is? What's the mechanics of that? So I begin work to, on a project to change the world, which is my energy project I'm working on. Um, 
which gives me a bond with science uh, at a bond score of three. That just means I have like eight spots, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, And for each bond that I burn due to being lost in my project, I step that bond clock with science up by two. Yes. And if I max it out, then my technology is completed. Yes. Yeah, so go ahead and step that up by two, please. Uh, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt this tremendous moment of role-playing. Uh, just wanted to slip some mechanics in No, there. you're good. That's fair. All right. So, yeah, uh, Doc, Doc looks a little stunned for a second and kind of confused for a little bit. And he just kind of sits in the in the booth. Um, I am sorry. I don't. I don't mean to. You deserve better than that. And I think you like see crystal gazer who like has like since she had that little outburst has these sort of like energy kind of pulsing off of her a bit it's not like hurting anything but she's kind of pulsing and it's it starts to ebb and tears start leaking out of her eyes oh. I. i'm sorry i doubted you i wanted tonight to be special I've been oblivious to your feelings, it seems. And my own, I suppose, as well. Well, I have felt like maybe there weren't any. And I thought I had to make the first move and kind of talk to you about this. I... I have some news, and I I wanted to find a way to talk about it, and I thought tonight would be good, and I should have called the lab, I guess, but I thought, well, I did all this. He could at least call me. I wanted to be angry at you, and I guess I still am, but I believe that you're sorry. He just kind of sits in silence for... A long pause. I'm not good at this. I know. And that's kind of why I like you. Men are pigs. I don't know if you know that. At this point, I don't assume you know anything. Spent my whole life realizing what I am and what I look like and, well, what men want. I can't help the shape of my body or the symmetry of my face or how charismatic I am or whatever. I can't help that. And I spend so much time dodging it. I I feel like I'm prey. And you're the only person in my life, the only man in my life, whoever made me feel like I was a human being and not a... 
not just an hourglass figure. People often view me as an outsider. I'm not from here. I am not... I do not have the same motivations as others. I have never really had very many friends. It has been nice to have someone who sees me through my intelligence. If friends what you need, Leslie, I can be that for you. But I don't feel that way. I don't know what love really is. I, I'll be honest with you. I dealt with a lot of the more topical stuff. But I know that when you walk in a room, my heart starts racing. I know that I can't pry into your mind. And that's scary. But it's exciting. I, I don't know what tomorrow brings or what the next crisis is going to be. And I don't know how many weeks, months, heck, even days we've got left. I almost died when Ubermensch attacked me. And all I thought about as he was pounding on me was that I wished you were there to help me. And I sat in that hospital for a long time thinking about how what I thought was going to be my last thought on this planet was about you. If you don't want to take this any farther, I, I understand and I'll get over it and I'll move on. You don't have to worry about me. I've been through worse. But I think I think we're kind of made for each other. I've I've never worried about anyone, but when I heard that you were injured, it took a lot to not seek you out. I don't know. You cannot quantify feelings, love. I'm... It's not something that I am good at recognizing. I... There's something here more than friendship. Well, I agree, and I think we should see what it is. But, uh, I got a little something I wanted to talk to you about, because uh, it's, uh, it's not easy, and, uh, you know, my agent, Julian, I think I've talked about him before, I don't know if you were listening, but, uh, he's, uh, asked me to do something that, uh, might, she, like, 
at this point, she's she sat back down way earlier than this. I, I got in the like role play of it and didn't say that, but she's sure. like reaches out and like takes his hand, takes his hands in hers. He asked me. He asked me to get married to somebody. Somebody who would benefit very greatly from my image and it would make their image a whole heck of a lot better. But they don't love me. And I wouldn't actually be involved with them in any physical manner other than probably that first kiss and showing up to events together, acting like we really love each other when I barely know him. Doc is like visibly uncomfortable. I do not like the idea of a political marriage. If we are to try to figure out whatever this is, it would not be good to do so from the shadows. Yeah, I I want you to understand, though, this person's real important, too. It would help my image, not as much, but a lot. And, uh, if you're saying you take exception to it, I want you to understand that its effects on me, well, and my career, might be greater than, uh, just saying no. I owe Julian a lot. Julian has stake in the game here. And if I tell him no, Julian doesn't like being told no. If your image is that important to you, why are you here? And he looks like upset a little bit, like a little leaning into anger almost. I, I didn't mean it that way. I, I'm sorry, I just, she like leans forward and like puts her hand on his cheek. I want you to understand that if you're asking me not to do this, we have to try at this. We can't give up over nothing. Because if I say no, I'm saying no for you. Okay. Whew. And you I okay? Think... Do we need a second? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is do tough. We... This is really Jesus. This Jesus episode. Christ is wonderful but how are we i'm okay oh, I'm, this I'm, is, I'm just uh, here i'm i'm enjoying being a member of the audience for this episode this is great this is hitting a little close <laughs> are you feeling Ooh. okay yeah no i'm good it's just whew. i've been in this situation on one on the other side <laughs> Oof. yeah <laughs> yes. All right. We're good. We good. Right. We can keep going. You just tap out if you need to. Okay. Like if it's. Oh yeah. No. We're good. Talking, some, we're good. We're good. We're good.
friends and welcome to season one episode 20 of tales to inspire i am your host and storyteller uh, david white and let's get to the show notes i hope it is not picking up on the recording right now but it is currently 8:55 p.m and it is at this exact time that uh the ice cream man has decided to drive around our neighborhood blaring his ice cream music you know, his little Pied Piper song for Sweet Tooth Children. Uh, and he started doing it while we were trying to lay our son down. And it's like, really? Right now? Right now is the time that you're going to come peddle your wares when we are trying to put this boy who loves ice cream in bed? Anyway, I hope it's not picking up on the recording. But if it's not, I don't know, maybe that's an entertaining story for you. And I hope that you are enjoying this uh, romance-focused episode. Uh, Occam and Marlo are uh, great role players, and this was such a fun episode to record. And really, I did very little. I just got to kind of sit back and watch two master role players do their thing. Um, and if you are curious about like how we achieved this level of character intimacy uh stick around until after the credits and you will be able to listen to our geek out during the credits or is it geek out after the credits i don't know it's an old city of mist thing but listen to us talk about the episode uh after the episode is done and we'll kind of talk about what safety procedures we had kind of our chemistry with one another uh and and some interesting you know out of character stuff like that now, as you know, we are fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. And right now, we have fallen below our goal. We have fallen way below our goal of $400 a month. At $400 a month, I can afford to pay our performers $5 for every hour that we spend recording. Right now, we are making about $242 a month. That is not enough to sustainably pay our performers for the amount of work that we put into the show. Uh, and right now, we're wrapping up Season 1. Well, Season 1 is already wrapped up, but I am editing Season 1 before we begin production on Season 2. And I'm kind of hoarding all of the money right now, not, not spending it on any new knickknacks or recording equipment or anything like that, because I'm trying to save up as much money as I can so that I can afford to pay our performers $5 an episode for some amount of time. Now, this is not sustainable. We will eventually run out of money. And we haven't gotten any new patrons in a couple of months. At least none that they, they, like, they like popped in and then they left, which, you know, it's fine. I, I can't fault you for that. But if you listen to the show and you like our performers, if you like the show that we're doing, if you think that these performers should be paid for the amount of work that we put into these episodes, please click the link below, go to our Patreon, and give any amount that you can. $1, $2, the $5 amount, as I've said before, is my favorite level to give on our Patreon. It gets you early access to these episodes, and it gets you access to patron-only content like uh the gajuliat 
the greatest Justice League Unlimited episode of all time uh, that I record with Phil, the voice of Torchbearer. Uh, and we just have a fun time watching the old Cartoon Network, uh, you know, WB show. Uh, is it WB? I guess, is Cartoon Network owned by WB? I think it is because, like, it ran on Cartoon Network, but is a Warner Brothers property. Anyways, uh, we talk about the old Justice League Unlimited show. We compare two episodes in a tournament-style format, uh, and we are left with one standing at the end of each episode, and eventually we'll be left standing with one final Justice League episode, Justice League Unlimited episode, which will be the Gajuliot. It's a lot of fun. Phil and I crack a lot of jokes. Uh, even if you're not into the Justice League Unlimited, and if you like our voices, why don't you give it a shot? It'll be something to occupy your time while you're doing something. But yeah, $5 a month, I think that's a really great option. Uh, if you can afford to get $5 a month, we would so greatly appreciate it. Um... But we also just appreciate you listening to our show. And speaking of our show, I think it's time that we get back to this romance-centered episode. see a panel of Dr. Fusion kind of puzzling over that answer. What what does Dr. Fusion's expression look like right now? He looks like you've never seen Dr. Fusion look so conflicted and have so much like <sighs> the only time you've seen Dr. Fusion with with the equivalent of emotion on this on his face is now is when he was like going into uh omission for some mm. things for for a bunch of stuff yeah yeah um and it's it's not so much anger this time as just like a mix of frustration and confusion and uh just he's never cared this much about someone and doesn't know what that means and it's it's just mm-hmm. a massive emotions yeah 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 so we see this this mass of emotions drawn on your face uh but before you can respond there is an uh a text box that comes into the frame with jagged triangular lines coming off of it of someone screaming ah! coming from outside what do the two of you do i think crystal gazer who had just been like very much concerned, very much not sure what's going on. She's not seen this emotion out of him before ever. Uh, uh, Margaret sees this, I think her eyes go wide, and she immediately stands up. Like, she immediately goes into superhero mode. Yeah, Doc's face goes stoic, and he, he shoots up as well. Okay. You look to the front of this restaurant, and you see some people crowded around the door, poking their heads out, and you hear a loud crash. 
outside of it like a metallic crash. This can wait. We, we have to do our thing. I, I don't have any of my gear. Uh, okay, dope. Um, I think they're probably going bolting out there. Okay. Yeah, you bolt past the owners of this restaurant. You go into the street, and as you come to the street, you see a car flying back down the street, crashing, dropping on the cement pavement in front of you. Uh, your eyes track where it came from, and you see, like, this mass of undulating mud and rock and water splashing around a corner. Uh, it coils around a lamppost and breaks this lamppost in half, and then it starts to congeal and take shape. You see these two trunks of legs and a humanoid-esque body and these, these huge three-fingered hands and, like, this misshapen, gloppy face. And you hear a voice ring out saying... And he, this creature, the puddle, uh, grabs the can't, David. I can't. <laughs> is this is this the line? This is where he had to pause. Um, <laughs> the no, puddle, good. the puddle grabs another car and like slams it into a building right next to. Uh, and you see people fleeing in all directions from the terrifying. Puddle. What did the two of you do? Oh boy! Um. <laughs> it's 1940s, man. We gotta have weird villains up in this. No, I love it. It's great. Look. It's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the most immediate like threat like to civilians? Uh, I believe if you are wanting that information, we will need to roll and examine. So take 2d6 and uh, add your investigate to it. Imagine having dice when you're going to play a tabletop game. Imagine. Imagine. Oh, God. That's right. I need those. Oh, my goodness. Luckily, they're right here next to me on the desk. So that roll is a three. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. So, looking around, you are looking uh, for what the danger is. Um, I, I need to make a hard move now. I think... Uh, so, the puddle is flailing and swishing their globby legs down the the pavement and I think as they do one of their feet goes wide and kicks this fire hydrant and the fire hydrant uh, breaks apart and a stream, a geyser really, of water goes spraying out uh, straight at um, at Margaret Meadows and uh, I don't think it's going to hurt you but it is definitely like going to strike you bodily, force you up against the wall and just like Get you soaking wet. Uh, so, uh, I would like a for you crystal to... crystal geyser, if you will. <laughs> a... <laughs> Occam, I don't Good know what night, I'm doing folks. telling this Good story. Night. I don't know what I'm doing telling this story when you're right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Margaret Meadows, I would like for you to mark two stress from the stress. crystal geyser. Uh, yeah, it strikes you bodily, forces you up against that wall. It's throwing tons of water in your face. Dr. Fusion, what are you doing? 
he'll like grab her arm and pull her out of the blast of water if he can. <sighs> I'm kind of useless. Distract him. Just don't let it propose. And he leaves. Um, <laughs> and runs towards one of the cars. I think her face just like did he just be snotty <laughs> with me? Oh no. Uh, hey there, little puddle. How are you doing? And it like turns around. It's like head like rotates on its shoulders unnaturally towards you. You know, I really like it when a man can make a move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she's like, so she's like drenched, right? So her hair oh, is like yes. totally flat. And oh, yeah. she had this really cute like little, um, it was like a little cap sleeved A-line like dress. Um, and it had like a little like puffer thing underneath it to kind of make it stick out a little bit. Not, not, not huge, but just a little bit. Um, and it's totally like stuck, like it's stuck against her body. Like it's <laughs> like, drenched. yeah, it's drenched, but it's not the kind of material you want to get wet mm-hmm. because like it's legitimately like it's doing the like cinch up thing. Like yes, some yeah. materials when you like wash them or get them wet, you're not, it's supposed to be dry clean. It's a dry clean only. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little passionate about laundry. (laughs) Uh, So it is clinging and she looks down and realizes this and starts like standing up straighter and kind of cocking her hip out, (laughs) doing her like thing, like just hamming it up. Yeah. Uh, The puddle rotates towards you and it's not so much that it turns towards you, but just like its arms like... orient themselves to be facing towards you and its feet orients around you. It, like, doesn't turn humanly, but it turns like this amorphous blob of water towards you. You're gonna drown the whole city? Well, then I assume Mrs. Puddle isn't here. She looks, she like, she's looking at the puddle, like, all, and then she looks over to see, <laughs> to see where Leslie, Leslie is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we see, like, the shot of, it's a close-up panel of Margaret Meadows, like, looking over her shoulder, and we see, like, uh, Dr. Fusion, like, way in the background. What do we see in Dr. Fusion, like, a little chibi Dr. Fusion in the background? You see th- this car, like, flipped up with the hood open, and it's, like, the the engine is like um and the hood's up and dr fusion is like just gotten there and he's you just see like a a kind of a bubble of his face in chibi form just like rolling its eyes and um <laughs> are we going to me or are we doing something else with that before um yeah i was trying to figure out if like you should roll a move uh marlo um for distraction yeah, to make, to do a distraction, um, I think. But sure, let's let's do take a risk. You are trying to you're relying on your skills to overcome an obstacle uh, or perform in a risky situation. So uh, go ahead, roll two d six plus your influence. Okay. What is that? Oh, okay. Uh, that's eight. 
10. A 10. So you do it. So what are you wanting to goad the puddle into doing? Pay attention to me. Yeah, yeah. And I think she's good at that. Yeah, yeah. I think think the puddle is, like, getting frustrated with you. Um, (laughs) And the puddle says... The puddle is not tied down by the bonds of monogamy. And uh, they like... Hashtag hashtag relatable. (laughs) The puddle is the most relatable character on this podcast. And they're an amorphous blob of mud. Uh, But they put their hand above their uh, head and like it congeals into like this huge just like orb of water. And they're going to like come and bring it down on you. Um, but I think you rolled a 10 plus, so like, it's like gonna hit where you are, but you're gonna like, get out of the way, and it's gonna do the like, super villain thing where it's chasing you and trying to get you, but you're like, just getting out of the way. So what does it look like as the puddle bears down on Crystal Gazer? Um, so, I think, um, as he's coming, as he's like, about to like, bear down, it can like, hit her, um, she does the simple take one step back (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, and like so she like steps she does this like she's like looking at him like i'm trying here come on and then like when she sees this she's like you see this look up like you see the shot of her face with her looking up and her mouth like kind of agape like oh and she steps back and then she says this one letter she says Last time I tried to chase a man, he left me sitting in a Italian restaurant all by myself for an hour. So, I'm used to having a hard nut to crack. <laughs> and then so I boring. think, and then He's I think we buddy. turn the page to Doctor Fusion at the other end of the street. What are you doing? So Doctor Fusion has ripped the battery out of this car and is, like, pulling random wires out and fixing them to different things. And he kind of touches two wires together, uh, and it's basically just this battery that's been hooked up to a bunch of different things, and it, it, it looks like a bomb. Like, it's bad. It's really <laughs> roughly sh- ramshackled together. But he touches two wires, and they spark a little bit, and he's like, perfect. Uh, so I suppose I should make a move for that. Definitely. Let's make a, a use environment move. And if you have not noticed, I have updated. Would it use not be a gain an advantage? I don't know why I said use an environment because I got rid of use environment to make gotcha. gain advantage. Gotcha. Uh, so let's make this new move gain advantage or gain an advantage. When you use your abilities or skills to give yourself or your allies an advantage, describe how you do it. The AIC will tell you what to roll. I think you're rolling 2d6 plus your investigate. So uh, go ahead and roll. Oh, come on. Don't blow up. Okay. Uh, It's an eight. An eight. Okay, so you get to choose one. Uh, You can make it potent and give yourself a plus one forward when you use it. You can make it ongoing so that you could use it narratively more than once. Or it has no unintended consequences. I'm going to make it potent because it's fun to have consequences. (laughs) Yeah, it is. All right, so you have a a plus one forward whenever you use this. So you can use it once. It will give yourself that plus one to your roll. But there's going to be a consequence. Uh, Yeah, so you you have a battery bomb. Awesome. Okay, so we go back to the other side. The next panel is on the other side of the street. Uh, The puddle is pursuing and, like, 
waves against a shore, tumbling over itself to get to Crystal Gazer, but has not been able to get to her yet. Uh, where where are you now, Crystal Gazer? Um, I think uh, I think she's like gonna climb on top of a vehicle or something. Like mm-hmm. I think that's what she's gonna do. She's trying to buy herself a little bit of time, um, so she can like. Her, ultimately, her goal would be to like get some sort of shield up, some sort of like telekinetic like shield sort of thing mm-hmm. going, so that she wouldn't she could block the water from hitting her. But she, um, so so, do you want to try to make a, a telekinetic shield? Um, so, is there any? Let me let me ask this question. Um, you, is there any part that is like solid of puddles here? Uh, it doesn't look like it. It's mostly just gloppy mud and water. There are some bits of rocks, but it doesn't look like there's any like physical form inside of it. It's not like undulating around a core or something. Okay, it's not like a chaos from like Sonic Adventure type. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, not like not a brain. Chaos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, yeah, I think. Um. I think she, you know, she's angry uh, with Dr. Fusion, but she is not, um, she believes in him still. So uh, she is just trying to distract. She's literally doing what she was asked. um, And especially because she doesn't see anything that like, because she could like fling something at him. Um, But she doesn't see a brain. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know what to focus her power on. She doesn't see anything solid she can hit with something else. So she's just hoping that whatever Leslie comes with is going to fix this. So she, yeah, so she's she's up on this car. Um, and I think if, like, we can do a push to see if she can create this shield, we'll see what happens. Definitely. Let's, let's roll a push. So do you think this would be a simple, a difficult, or a borderline power for you? Um, that's kind of tough. So, like, because trying to, to level set this, like, I mean, I know you have access to this, you can look at it, but, like, yeah. as I think it through, um, she, her access, and so really, truly, her skill set really kind of focuses on controlling someone else mm-hmm. and throwing and moving physical objects, right? Yeah. That's really her two skill sets. She's not done anything like this before. So really truly as I'm thinking through it, like and I think about like moving things and creating this sort of like this sounds difficult to me because her powers are not there's she's her powers are not like grabbing or her powers are more like grabbing things and doing things. They're not like sustained hold like that. So I'm thinking difficult. Okay. Okay, so uh, go ahead and roll 2d6, and you don't get to add anything to it. Well, lady, look. <laughs> Big money, no whammies, no whammies. Uh, so, eight? An eight. Okay, so you're going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to add it to your powers profile, and you're going to take two stress, because this is a difficult power. So, uh, yeah, I think she's like, um, like it, how, how is he trying to hit her? So I can kind of like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're, you get on top of this car, uh, and I think, uh, the puddle like 
you, you're looking around. You don't see the puddle. And then all of a sudden, the puddle comes up on all sides and, like, congeals up above you and is, like, going to come down full force on top of you. Ooh. Uh, I think Ooh. she's... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I think she's just trying... She's like, uh, oh, no, no, that can't happen. And, like, so she says... So, so like, that's her thinking. That's her inner monologue. As she, she does it, it, so she's just, she doesn't, like, there's no quippy one-liner. She's just literally freaking out, like, no, please, God, no. And so as she, she kind of, like, does her hands and then does up in the air, and you see this sort of, like, bubble sort of, like, form from her hands from the top. Um, and it's forming as the thing's falling. So it's kind of, like, splattering in all directions. I mean, I imagine a little bit of it hits her, but, like, she creates this sort of, like, bubble around herself. Yeah. Yeah, and we see like a, a veritable mudslide just falling down on your shield, cascading over the dome of this bubble, landing to either side of the truck. Um, Dr. Fusion, you see this as you are on the other side of the street. What are you doing? Uh, so he runs toward like the center of the street and puts the battery down and these wires, he just like has a bundle of wires wrapped around his arm. And he starts, like, unspooling it and running toward, uh, like, a metal mailbox that's on the side of the street. Mm-hmm. And he kind of affixes the, the, like, one side of the cable to the bottom, of the, to, like, the leg of the mailbox. Yeah, he's not going to yell anything because he doesn't want the thing to see him. So he just kind of looks at Margaret as best he can and tries to get her attention. Just, like, waving at her and pointing at the battery and t- saying, get him over here. Okay, so I think she's attempting to move that direction while holding this thing that she's never done before. Um, so that's what she's going to try to do at this point. Is there a move? I feel... I don't, uh, let's probably see. take a risk to get, again, to be honest. We really and truly, we probably should have been having some combat exchanges during this we're playing fast um, and loose yeah we are playing fast and loose this episode uh seize control could work the the common move yeah i guess that's true okay so yeah let's do a seize control um and you're trying to get over there so i think since you're describing yourself holding up this this a wall of psychic energy you're trying to maneuver yourself and protect yourself i think you should roll 2d6 plus your protect she protect she protect she attack she read she on protect but more importantly she protect 11 and oh. 11 you do it how do you do it uh so she's holding this and um she's fatiguing she feels tired. And this does not feel good. This feels like she's giving... It feels like her brain is in a vice right now. And each step is hard. Um, but she's got her eye on Leslie. And as she's walking that way, and her eyes are just wa- as wide as they can be, and her teeth are gritted, and she's holding it up, like... Like she's like in a, like she's got like all the weight and strength of like a power lifter trying to carry something over their like a, the heaviest weight over their head. 
she moves that direction uh, and tries to like position herself like so that the puddle will have to pass over the bomb to get to her. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, so you get over there with Leslie, you put the bomb in between you and the puddle. The puddle like congeals and reforms itself, uh, towering above the both of you. And it pulls itself up to come down on you. Dr. Fusion, are you doing anything? Uh, as it does that, Dr. Fusion takes the other end of the wire and touches it to the to the metal mailbox. And there's a spark, but then nothing happens. Sparks, the water is building up like a tidal wave about to come crashing down on the shoreline. Uh, Margaret loses it. She can't hold it any longer. I think narratively she's been holding it this whole time. Mm-hmm. She didn't add it to her power set. It was a push. She's it it does that sort of flicker thing, the sort of shield that she's made, and it goes out. Scheiße. Uh and he kind of looks at his hands and uh, kind of rubs them together and grabs that wire and this purplish greenish electrical discharge starts to come off of his hands and he, he looks at his other hand and then touches the mailbox and this energy just disperses out of his hands and through the wires to the battery yeah this sp- like a dome of electricity goes out in all directions, just arcing from this, going out. It hits the puddle. Uh, the puddle screams. And we see, like, the text box, like, trail away as the puddle is, like, blasted away. And, like, uh, fragments and drops of it are just splattering against the windshields and the windows and the cement and... When, uh, as this arc of electricity passes by the buildings, passes by the lamps, passes by these cars that are idling, they all shut off. And I think in the next panel, we see like it continue to extend as all the lights in this city go out. The panel comes back to the two of you, one of you holding a battery bomb in your hands, the other one of you soaking wet and exhausted in this pitch black Oregon street. But the puddle has been defeated. What do you do? I think Crystal Gazer, her knees are shaking and she, they finally give out and she falls to the ground. She's not like passed out, but she's like exhausted and sitting there in a soaking wet dress, her hair a mess, uh, her mascara having run all down her face already because she was already crying and now she's all wet and she collapses onto the ground and like her hands fall into her lap and she just looks down at them Doc drops the wires and rushes over to her and like kneels down and, and takes her hands don't marry him I was hoping you'd say that. And they have their first kiss. No. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that sounds yeah, like an appropriate thing to happen. Oh yeah, and they have yeah. their first kiss. Yeah, and we have this kiss, this beautiful, passionate, lovely kiss. And I think we have the close-up of y'all kissing, or you two, or the characters kissing. Whatever, don't want to make all. Me and, and then, Occam then, kissing. That's exactly. Me what and you're Occam saying. kissing. Occam and Marlo kissed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then in the next panel, it pulls back to see like the shadowy outlines of these buildings, but up above is just a beautiful starry sky that had been blocked out by this light but now can be seen clearly. We turn the page. And we see the hallway of the University of Oregon, uh, and we see uh, Dr. Fusion and Crystal Gazer walk into the shot, or walk into the panel, rather. Uh, what what do y'all look like? So, like, I think it's probably, like, this scene where they come into the office soaking wet, and, like, he takes off his jacket and she starts to take her her soaking dress off and he like helps her out of it uh and it gets it's real sweet and uh yeah 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 okay well but before y'all even get in uh i i like the idea that like you walk around a corner and i think margaret already has your coat on uh as y'all walk around the corner um and you go to unlock the door you open it um, and I think Dr. Fusion, this is your office. You would know, and you would notice this. A window at the back of your office is open and you see the drapes are like just fluttering silently in the breeze. He just walks over, closes the window. Uh, as you close the window, a lamp clicks on behind you. Oh, God. Damn it, Nick Fury. (laughs) You turn around and you see Omission sitting in your desk. You have some answers to give. End of episode. I hate it. (laughs) God damn. I was trying to get it in. There you come. (laughs) (laughs) Omission, more like cock block. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. We'll be back with our next episode on May 15th. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash IAM underscore W-A-K-E. Omission was played by Mitchell Wallace, who can be found at Mitch Bustillos on Twitter. 
Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwitch on Twitter. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockam Robo on Twitter. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks A New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. I don't want to say geek out, but I love that term. So let's geek out. Um, how do y'all feel about that that episode? Let me uh, take a breath. Right here. Let me actually <laughs> breathe because I felt like I haven't breathed. That was a whirlwind. That was a lot, yeah. and I think yeah. it's that was a ton. Yeah, I don't. You know, I I I've done stuff like this with role plays before, but I've never done it this in depth. And I've never done like that much with someone I'm as comfortable with as you right. welcome. So thank you for that. I like how slow um, burn this has been. Yeah. A lot of podcasts and a lot of stories. This would have happened in like the first five episodes. Yeah. yeah. So I love how slow burn this has been. I agree. I think that's more realistic, too, because like. Yeah. There, because like it when you when you start to feel this way, there's always like this moment of like there's always like the, this long period of time where like nobody's admitting shit to each other. It's just fucking there, and it's like under the surface, and it's fucking annoying. And <laughs> I I hate that part. I hate yeah, that part where it's like it's I know this is happening. You know this is happening. Does somebody just say something? <laughs> yep. And but it's it's the, it's what builds the tension. It's great storytelling and I think it's been really good and I think yeah. Kudos to all of us, especially David. Kudos to all of us I, though because we've all Yes, I thank you David for sitting through audience. all of that. Yeah, I was a member of the audience for this episode and I was 100% okay with it. No, but you could have like as a storyteller knowing cuz I mean, listener, we've known this is going to happen from the beginning. Like when yeah. we created our characters, I was like Hey, I want to do this thing, which I still can't talk about because it's still not over. Nope, and I yeah. was like, sure, let's do it. And I was like, yay! <laughs> so, um, but David could have put us, put us in lots of situations where, like, it would have happened faster. And so that's, I, that's why I say kudos to you, David. I, that's why I say that. But um, I'm just going to tell a story.
David's phenomenal about giving us the room to tell the story we want oh, to tell. Stop it. Both no, I won't stop it. I won't stop. <laughs> God, I won't stop. It's 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 what your I think it's your greatest strength as a as a MC DM whatever is be, is being open and being able to make that room for people to do what they want to do versus focusing only on the story. Well, thank you. Uh, it it has been something that I've had to learn to do, but thank you thank you for saying that. That is very validating and makes me feel very good on the inside. Um. Yeah, but pff, whatever about me, this was a great role playing from two of you. Like as I was sitting here, I was like, I like, I nobody could have picked a better two role players to role play this episode, right? <laughs> well, I was like, I, don't, I would okay. not be having this much fun if it was anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that right now. Uh. Uh, Sweet. I don't fully believe you. I'm sure I, I know of many me. people in our group, like in our like core podcast group, that would do phenomenally. Sure, sure, that's true. I'm not putting any down or no, anyone down. I'm just saying y'all are amazing. Well, and I think we have a rapport already. That's like, fine. and that's, that's true. That's a that's a key there because I mean, yes, yes. We've been working on sins of the father for how many years now? I don't even know. Four? Has it been two and a half? Has it been four years? I think no it might way. have been at least. It's been at least three, because the fir- like the original incarnation. Sure, sure, okay. Was like fair. a year and a half before the second version. I think is when we started planning it. So like, I think it's been like three and a half, almost four years. I- but so the point what I'm saying is like we've been playing together for years now yeah. and we play together consistently. Yeah. And we're we've both done so great. many side quests, all three of us have done so many side <laughs> yeah. quests together. We're, we're we know each other in and out right now. Right. I mean, maybe not in, but definitely out. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't mean physically in. Good lord, Marlo. God, damn it. Good the romance lord. episode over, Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> you I want to make in. it clear. No, I want to make fine. it clear to everybody because that that legitimately, like, if I heard, like, I mean, obviously I was in it, so like, I'm gonna. If I heard that, I would just be like, "Who are these two people? How do they have that kind of relationship that they could just yeah, yeah. talk like that to each other?" <laughs> like, you got to know. With me and Osgum, there are That's no fair. boundaries. None. <laughs> Mentally, <laughs> but physically, they have not been in. We we oh we don't. God, we've never even. Yeah, I've never even met Marlo in person, which is also crazy to think about. It is. I crazy. know. It is crazy, and I also, I also think going off of that, I think like a listener could be listening to this and be like, "I I want that. I want that. Like at my table. Uh, like I mm-hmm. want to role play that situation." Which, if you do, just know that you need to put up some safety uh, before we recorded this episode we talked about like what our expectations was uh while we were recording we paused and asked if we were okay um and we took like beats if we needed to uh which will all be edited out um but (laughs) even like way back when in our session zero half a year ago we also talked about this so this has been something that has been planned um Mm. and so if you're a player that wants to pursue like 
PC PC romance. Uh, just know that this scene wouldn't have happened without safety and discussions beforehand, along Upset. with Occam and Marlo knowing each other for the past two and a half years. Um, which I think that is that's something also important to say. Yeah, and I think they're. I mean, even after we do this geek out, we probably need to do a little aftercare here, um, sure. just to make sure that we're good and talk off mic, just to make sure that we're okay. Yeah. Uh, because it's a lot, and even you know, this can transmute other feelings and emotions. So we have yeah. to make sure yeah. that we're taking care of each other, that we're talking things through, um, and dealing with that. Um, yeah. And so we're going to do that after, too. I can honestly say I'm going to be checking in and making sure we're good. Um, yeah. Because that was a lot. It was hard. It was good. It was hard. Yeah. It was rough. But, oh, my God. those That conversation was, I don't know. I don't know if I can pick a favorite moment of this podcast before we're even done with season one. But, damn. That was very good, y'all. Yeah, I can't well, wait I think... to hear it again because like being in it is mm-hmm. different than hearing it played back. So like, yes, I yeah, cannot yeah. wait to hear it all cut together and stuff, and like mm-hmm. have music behind it and all the like drama. I'm so excited to hear that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think that there like some of that like I'd like to play off of previous experiences and things like that. And there, you know, you go back to a time where you left a choice to somebody you didn't you wanted them to make a choice but you had to leave the choice to them and you know sometimes they make a choice you don't agree with and they don't make the choice that you wanted and i've been there done that i got the t-shirt uh (laughs) so i feel like and you can play off of previous experience that helps too and i feel like again it goes back to that rapport it's just never you you, you've you've got to have that good safety before, during, and after. like Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Um, and, and let's switch gears a little bit from the safety uh, meta side of it to talk about, like, Crystal Gazer's arc in this, just this episode alone. Um, definitely was not planned, but it would be so cool to, like, do a case study of M- Marlo, of Margaret's relationship with men just in this episode. Oh yeah, that's true. At the very beginning, oh my gosh! At the very wow. beginning, you had Torchbearer, this this man, wow. somebody else, for, like being forced upon her by the directors because it looks good. Uh, no physical emotional connection. Then you have Julian trying to force a man on her, uh, and then I, I thought about it while y'all were having the conversation, but like men are these men are pigs, and like what they want from you, and all this stuff, and like finally, like what her relationship with Dr. Fusion is. It's just as, as you are having that conversation, I was like, Oh my gosh, what a beautiful like character arc that we are seeing just like a single episode. I hadn't even thought about it in that, but as a whole, think about, yeah, think about this though. She still didn't advocate for herself. She still left the decision up to a man. Yeah, that's true. And, I, I created Crystal Gazer. Now, this is not like a like postmortem, like, this is this character. And there's a ton of stuff that listener doesn't know yet. If they're listening in order, they have no idea. Because it's, yeah. it's... I'm not going to say any more than it, it's going to get worse. We got some plans. Like, we got some plans. We got some, some long-term plans. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but 
I wanted her to be tragic and I created her that way by design because, and that's maybe why the role playing came out so good because I feel like I have dealt with that in my life where I was treated a certain way by men um, because of, they were attracted to me and because my autonomy was not like, I wasn't, I was like, not, not, I'm trying to say this in a way where it doesn't sound bad. So let me try, because I, I mean, we may have to cut some of this out so I can kind sure, of say sure. it in a nice way. So David, just do use your best judgment with this. But I've been in situations where my own consent was not heard. I've been in multiple situations where my consent was not heard. Yeah. It's a repeated problem. And I created Crystal Gazer as a way for me to feel those things and live in those things and see now that I'm like in my thirties and I'm like looking back on my life and cracking open that shell. uh, I wanted to portray this woman who wasn't perfect, who isn't that she isn't, she isn't the strong willed, like, wonder woman's of the world she she has these powers to control minds but she literally lets people control her own and that's kind of the juxtaposition i wanted to create here is that there's this tragic because there's so many tragic feminine like women in that old hollywood era women that even are portrayed and seen as positive still had really tragic shit happen so I wanted to portray that. I wanted to portray, I wanted to feel this through for myself. And so it's cathartic for me to go that route. Um, so if you feel like any of that was not kosher to tell listeners, or maybe we need a warning before, um, you can cut this warning in, you know, content warning. You may need to cut ahead a bit. I don't know. You can figure that out if you want. But yeah, so that's kind of it. That's why I created the character and yeah, yeah. no, that's great. It's, it's a great insight to give the listeners into that character. Uh, and into me, if you want, Hey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trauma. <Woo. laughs> um, yeah. Ockham, what, uh, what, what's your takeaway? What, what would you like to add about this episode? Oh man, <clears throat> man, Dr. Fusion is a weird... All of my characters that I play have a part of myself in them. Dr. Fusion is a weird part of myself. He is... He's something that I've experienced in the past, that I've done in the past, and not realized until hindsight, which is normal for most people. He does things that hurt people and he doesn't realize it because he's not thinking about them. He's only thinking about himself. I've been that person. It's hard to admit, but it's it's a really hard thing to come to terms with. And I think that this this episode is probably the beginning of kind of him realizing that things are different and that he's he needs to reevaluate himself. Uh, and how he and what he values in life, um, and yeah, it's it's just 
it's such an interesting story that's being told mm-hmm. from these two characters. Yeah. Because they're both heavily flawed people. Yes. Yeah. And they're both probably going to hurt each other in a lot of ways. And it, it's it's hard to it's hard to play that sometimes. Um so that's good. That's good. Uh, also, Occam, thank you for making the great storytelling decision to be like, I don't have any of my superhero gear. <laughs> I self-nerf myself in everything I play, almost. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I find having less tools, or actually, no, I, I mean, kind of. Having less actual tools gives me more tools to play with like mechanically yeah yeah so like removing my uh my abilities which i did during the the hitler episodes as well yes yeah um removing my my capabilities to make me have to think have to think out of the box and as soon as i said it i was like okay what can i do what can i do uh and it started like rotating in my head my my brain started working in overdrive um and I, I do that intentionally because it's it's more fun to me to give myself I don't know, more to more to deal with. Yeah, no, yeah, I was just about to bring up the uh the Munich episode where you only brought in that ring mm-hmm. uh for your fusion fist, uh and that that was such a another cool moment. I mean it made um, sense because I wasn't yeah. gonna enter this building with this bulky gear that is obviously superhero gear. Like there was no way to hide it. Yeah. So either it was hide all of my gear in a briefcase somewhere or come up with another solution. So, yeah, no, I love it. Um, fantastic. Uh, do we have any, any other things to geek out about with this episode or do we want to answer some mechanical questions? Just that, that script. I have not even read the whole thing. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I read yeah, through okay. I glanced through it and every single line I was like, oh my god. Yes. Okay, so listeners, uh, I took a mental health day today. I did not go to work. Um because every six weeks I try to give myself a day where I don't go to work. I send James to school or I send my kid to school and then stay home and it's just about me. It's a me day. It's great. Um but part of my me day was that I legit wrote a script for that screen, like I wrote it out as a script uh, in that format for that beginning scene. Um, and I was actually going to, you know, we began the episode with levity. Uh, I wanted to end the episode with levity by reading the rest of that script on mic. Can <laughs> so I can I preface this it. by saying, oh, David is a quality author. <laughs> He writes, he's writing books. Like he has, I think you've got multiple books you've worked on, right? Yeah, yeah. So like the the fact that this script came out of him is just a testament to how it takes a good writer to write this badly. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, I was, I wanted to message you on Discord like as soon as I finished it this morning and be like, oh, I wrote man. something so bad and I'm so happy with it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we could either read that now or we could read that after the questions. What would y'all want to do? It doesn't matter to me, whatever. 
do we want to leave off with the with that so that we can we'll just answer the questions and then leave leave everybody with that (laughs) yes i would like to do that so let's do that let's answer some questions so at the end of the session answer these questions which character made you feel like a welcome member of the team how have you grown detached from the team what dangerous threat or complicated problem did you overcome and last one is, did you fulfill one of your drive book goals? Who would like to go first to answer those questions? Um, I'll go. Uh, well, I know it didn't seem like it, but at the end of the episode, Crystal Gazer has made Dr. Fusion feel more welcome. Um, oh, yeah. Welcome. Oh, my God. <laughs> he opened the door. <laughs> Uh, no. Anyway, uh, fade to black. Um, so yes, I, I would say definitely Crystal Gazer. There's still going to be some tr- some some issues there, um, which is why I still would have one point in Bond, anyways. Um, but yeah, there's definitely it, it's definitely their their relationship should improve from this because um, they finally opened like admitted everything and they're like okay this is what we are here we go let's do it yeah you define your relationship yeah uh okay so step back your bond clock with that person uh and either clear a condition or mark an achievement well i don't have any conditions so i guess i'll mark an achievement dope um Uh, go ahead and i does the puddle count as a dangerous threat Uh, I don't know if he does. Yeah, he. (laughs) I don't know if he was dangerous. He had uh, five stress and one condition, Uh, so he wouldn't have been very difficult to defeat. Um, I mean, I guess he wasn't difficult to defeat because y'all did it. Uh, So I I don't know. I don't know if it would be a dangerous threat or complicated problem. The, the I puddle. think our complicated problem that we overcame was our Ooh. relationship issues. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so mark one achievement. Uh, like, the villain was a backdrop yes, for our absolutely. personal conflict. Yes, 100%. Which, the be- honestly, the best comic books are where that's the case. Yeah. Uh, is. So you didn't have any more you're going to answer, right? Okay. So I'm going to, you know, obviously I'm going to answer the same. Um, I think Dr. Fusion and Crystal Gazer are, um, this is probably, it's probably the peak. I don't know. It's pretty close to the peak. Maybe not the peak, but it's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not going to be good. So it's the, it's the uh, summit camp before you hit the peak. Yeah, nearly there, and uh, it's a short peak. Peaked early. Peaked early. A lot of people I know in high school peaked early too. Um, so, um, no, that's a joke. I'm sorry, anybody who listens to this. I, I didn't mean you if you're listening because <laughs> you obviously are peaking right hell? now because you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah it doesn't right get any better are. than this. That's yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so, um, sorry, I I am. I'm filled with energy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that, you know, she, she had thought that maybe this was not a thing. You know, she thought that maybe he was being nice 
or mm. didn't realize that she was interested or didn't feel the same. Like, I mean, any millions of things that you tell yourself in that moment when, you know, you're feeling away and you think it might be one-sided. So I think it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm obviously there's something wrong with me. He, he doesn't like me. Uh, I, if, if there was, if I was better, I could turn his head. Like all of those things are what goes through Margaret's mind in this moment. So yeah, I think yeah that's definitely going to step back the bond clock and, um, we might clear a condition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's probably afraid. No, no, angry. She's angry. not angry anymore. Okay. We're going to clear angry. That makes sense. Yeah. And we're going to step back that bond clock. And then, uh, what was the other one? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that relationship, I think same thing. So I'll mark an achievement for that one. Dope. All right. Well, awesome. Uh, did anybody, did either of you get a full achievement uh uh a full achievement track uh i do not no okay all right well then um listeners thank you so much for listening and as a gift for listening so far we're gonna read a very bad script um so let's uh where did you kill it uh marlo where did you what line did you decide to end it at right before they kissed Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, do we so, want to read it like we were? Uh, that's up and to you. And you do Hitler because that could be fun. I, I would like that. I would have fun with that. So we want to start from where we left off. We don't want to start over again. Maybe do the line that we cut. But yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, Torchbearer, could you could you take that line again? Or I guess let's just go back to Crystal Gazer. Uh, that that coily line. Okay. Dear Jesus. <laughs> I suppose I, I haven't been shy about finding out how you really feel about me, have I? Just sh- shy about doing anything about it. Shy? Then why don't you let me take the lead on this one, Mags? The two embrace in a kiss. An explosion as one of the facades in the background crumples. Adolf Hitler appears in his Reichmech, a thundering suit made of melted-down American tanks and British aeroplanes. Eck! Finally I have found you, Operation American Defense! You have come into my empire, and now you shall pay for it with your lives! <sighs> oh my god. Torchbearer pushes Crystal Gazer behind him. Adolf, I was hoping I'd run into you here. Time to give you that suck to the jaw that I promised you last time. Torchbearer leaps across the city square in a single bound. He grapples with a ten-foot-tall mech, but he is not strong enough. Hitler backhands Torchbearer, and the hero collapses onto the ground. <laughs> With Philadelphia, son of liberty defeated, it seems Operation American Defense shall fall as well, and soon the entire world. Not so fast, Adolf. Did you forget that Operation American Defense is more than just the two of us? The other members of Operation American Defense jump into view: Geiger Gal, Mother Midnight, Professor Fission, and Masterpiece. What? What is this? I thought I destroyed you all with my otherworldly ray gun. 
<laughs> Ooh, okay. Your tricks and schemes won't work against us, Adolf Hitler. Just like the states, we are stronger when we are united. Operation American Defense, go get them! The members of Operation American Defense rush Adolf Hitler. As they fight, Crystal Gazer runs to Torchbearer and cradle his head in her lap. Torchy! Torchy, can you hear me? <coughs> Max! Oh, Max! I think I'm done for. What? No. Not now. Not after I finally know how I feel about you. Stop that, doll. You always knew the how I felt about you. I don't know why I'm going to... Uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always know that... That... Torchbearer dies in Crystal Gazer's arms. The only man I've ever loved is dead. Killed by a madman and a tyrant. Well, that does it. I'm ending this war right here. Right now. And afterwards, I'm resigning myself to a cloister to show that no man could ever love me as well as Grant Godwin. The Torchbearer of Philadelphia. Crystal Gazer stands up and puts her, heads, her hands to her head using her telekinetics. A rock, urged by Crystal Gazer's mind, lifts into the air. I may never have had a chance to marry the man I loved. And I may not be a woman of the cloth yet. But Adolf Hitler, with this rock... I do thee wed. The rock smashes onto Adolf Hitler as a Nazi tyrant screams his final breath. Ah! To death! And scene. <laughs> God. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh my God, dude. It's so this funny. is your magnum opus. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Oh, God. This is my magnum opus. Uh, listeners, Perfect. thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that very bad script. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all.